have varied experiences in this life. Uh, you have different experiences from me. I have different experiences from you. You may be going through some now. You have past experience. You have present experience. And there are some future experiences. But life is full of all different types, kinds of experiences. Some good, some bad. I mean, just, just different stuff happen to people every day in every way. God wants, uh, wants you, he wants me, he wants us to use our experiences. He wants us to use the good ones, he wants us to use the bad ones. I think the problem, however, is that most of us uh, prefer using our good experiences because sometimes our bad experiences are, are places of deep hurt and pain and there's a lot of embarrassment with them. And so we are afraid of even sharing them. But what happens is, is simply this, that, that if God brought you through it, then God can use it. Amen? God is able to use their experiences. And I'm going to show you this morning that even the most embarrassing things in your life many times are the very things that God wants to use to bring change into people's life. Amen? So let me break it down. And you have heard this before, that God can take your mess and turn it into a message. It means that the mess in your life, that messy situation, God can take it and turn it into a message. You, you, you have a test. They say that God can turn your test into a testimony. He gives you a testimony out of it. A trial, God can turn it into triumph. And if you feel like a victim, God can turn you into a victor. And so in all things, we give him praise. If you feel like you're going through a breakdown, sometimes you have to understand that your breakdown will lead you to your breakthrough. So no matter what you're going through this morning, God is able to use that to bring uh, glory to his name, benefit to your life, and benefit to the lives of others. In fact, if most of us look back at our life, it is our life experiences that has shaped our present life. We are better now because of some of our experiences. Amen? Some of us are really better now. We have learned more. We have grown more because of some of the experiences that we have had in this life. They are almost like stepping stones, pillars that bring us to that place that God wants us to have. And so there are good experiences, bad experiences, in-between experiences, sour experiences, bitter experiences, sweet experiences, fresh experiences, stale experiences, all different types of experiences. And I'm going to show you how it works. But I, I, I mean, how many of you like cake? Oh, come on, just shout out your favorite cake. I hear cheese, I hear black forest, fruit cake. I hear red velvet, I hear all kind of things. All right? But, but people... Do you know that cake is the end? Cake is the end. But there is a means to the end. And we use ingredients to make cakes. I'm going to inv invite one of our master cake makers in the church. She made my wedding cake. I... Anyway, I only had one, so some people had two, so they said that my two. That is what I heard, my two. I, I only had one, right? Her name is Sister Novet, and her business is making 
cake. And, and we are going to make cake this morning. Hallelujah. And so she's right there and she's going to remove that. And I hope you can see it, right? Now, in making cake, you use all different kinds of ingredients. So just for those who are online, Sister Novlet, just give me some of the ingredients and I'll pass them back to you. Uh, I'm going to guess to see if I can get it. If you look at this, this is this white powdery substance. Would you like to taste it? This is important in making cake. Do you see what it is? This is flour. Flour is not the most tasty thing. Like, 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 like even if you add some salt into this right now, it, it still would not taste good. All right, so this is flour, but flour goes into your red velvet, your black forest. I don't know if it goes into the cheese cake. You know, that sounds like something like cheese. This looks like coffee. Cocoa powder. I, I didn't know that cocoa powder was in the cake. Hallelujah. Cocoa. I, I thought cocoa was for tea. Well, there you go. This is cocoa. I mean, and this, this probably tastes good. I, I don't know. I would not want to taste it, but it, it, it smells good. It smells good. At least it has a, a, a scent. The flower doesn't. All right, but this goes into cake as well. Wow, this, I didn't know that. Ah, this is probably our favorite ingredient. It is called sugar, brown sugar. All right, and this goes into cake, and you could take some of this because it, it tastes good. So this is one of the, so we had the non-taste flour, the taste not so good, brown cocoa, and we have the taste good. Sugar. All right, we're not done yet. We also have baking powder, not soda, because some people put baking soda in their cake. It, all right, it is baking powder. All right, now, baking powder don't even taste good when it's in the cake if you don't get it like all the way out. If you're eating some cake or some pastry and you taste baking soda, baking powder, it means that it don't bake good. Right? Uh, yeah, don't bake. Something is wrong. All right? Okay, I didn't. It's what I, I know they're baking. This is baking soda. They look the same because some of our experiences are like that, you know. They look the same, but they are not the same. They taste different, they feel different. All right? I, I've never seen baking soda yet in, in cake. All right? This is, this is salt, and this, you know how it tastes already. You know, it tastes kind of iry. It's, it tastes very salty, right? So you, have, you realize you have a lot of sugar, a little salt. Uh, the black cocoa, you have a lot of it. You had a little baking soda soda, a little baking powder, a, a little tubs of salt, you have to, right, here you go, here you go, okay, we have all vanilla, vanilla, boy, you learn every day, white vanilla, I thought, this looked like vinegar to me, but, but it's very vanilla, I, I vanilla, this is, I didn't know that you have white vanilla, right, vanilla, I mean, whatever is in anything, it tastes so good, but have you ever tried it by itself? Ha, who has ever tasted vanilla? Oh, you're sick, you need to see the doctor. <laughs> Tell me you. 
this is this is goat goat milk, cow's milk. I mean, milk is okay. You can you can have some milk, right? Do you realize that some of the good stuff, it, 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 uh, the good stuff is kind of more like the sugar. There's a lot of sugar, and there's a lot of milk. All right, we're going somewhere with all of this. All right, this is oil. All right, this is cooking oil. Cooking oil is good, but but I don't like. I, I, you don't taste cooking oil. You don't drink cooking oil. But in a cake, cooking oil is awesome. All right. I know, I know some of you are going to say, yes, pastor, you can eat it. Some of you can crack this and just swallow it, not me. All right, but, but there are people who, who eat the egg raw, but I don't believe that God designed egg to be egg raw. It's supposed to be boiled or fried or baked. You can be a egg. Huh? Scramble? You can scramble and fry on the same thing. <laughs> all right all right so those are the ingredients and so we're going to put the ingredients together sister nugget is going to be working while i'm preaching all right so it's all right focus focus on me right now she's going to be and then we're going to get back to that so what's the point life is like baking a cake some ingredients are a lot in life and some are a little in life, some stuff are good, and in life, some stuff are bad. They are a varied size, different sort of scent, odor, experience. But when you put them all together, they don't even look good together. But when you see the end that they produce, it's a whole lot better than each individual ingredient. In other words, the whole is better than one. The cake is better than the egg. The cake is better than the sugar. The cake is better than the flour. The cake is better than the vanilla. The cake is better than the salt. The cake is better than the baking powder. And the cake is better than the baking soda. But here you see, you can't have the cake without the ingredients. That's how your life is. You can't have your best life without your bad experiences and your good experiences. God uses them. So how do I, how, how do I keep myself from wasting my experiences? Here's number one in your notes. Get this down. We embrace our experiences. You have to embrace them. It's like baking a cake. Sister Nobbet have to accept that, listen, as bad as the egg may taste by itself, it needs to go in there and mix up with everything. You have to embrace your experiences, the good ones, the bad ones. In other words, we have to stop running from our past if God is going to use it for good in our lives. You have to stop running from your past experiences if God is going to use those experiences. You have to embrace them. In fact, Galatians 3, 4 says this. You have suffered for so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain. So the apostle is saying, if it were in vain. The truth is what you went through is not in vain if you embrace it in light of God's glory. 
Alright, thank you, Sister Nugget. I'm going to ask you to sit down. This is a water cake mix to look like. Like, even this is not the complete thing. It looks good right now. It probably tastes a little better than the individual ingredient. But you can't measure your life before it is done. You can't stop part way. You can't just mix up ingredients and say that is it. You have to put it in the oven. Let it bake. Let it go through some more fire. You see the ingredients are bad. It has to go through fire. And when you go through the fire, thank you so much, Sister Noven. Once you have gone through the fire, you can't just you can't eat a cake when it's hot. You have to let it simmer and cool down so you can get the best of it. And life is like that. Amen? Because of pain, many people deny their past. And so God says, if you're in denial, he can't use it for good. If you're in denial concerning your past, God can't use it for good. For you to see the victory in your experience, you cannot live in denial. You have to stop. You have to accept that the egg in my life is just as important as the sugar. Because God can use every experience in our lives for good. And I mean every experience. He can use the relational experience, the educational experience, the spiritual experience, the painful experiences. God can use all of them. We just need to embrace them. They are your experience. They are my experiences. So when we own them, God will use them for good. So own your experiences. Stop denying them. The shame is gone. The reproach has been rolled away. Use them now as stepping stone to greater things in God. So ask yourself, what lesson did I learn? Keep a journal. Look back and, and take the lessons out and, and see. John 13 verse 7, Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Jesus says this then, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Come on, come on, just, 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 just look at somebody and say, Later you will understand. You see, sometimes people don't understand that your present experience you can't understand it. They can't understand it. But later. There is always a later when it comes on to God. Later you will understand. And I want to tell you this morning. That what happened to you last month. Later you will understand. What happened to you last year. Later you will understand. What God was doing. You remember what Joseph said to his brother in Genesis 50 verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. That's experience. Joseph could have looked at that and said, listen, I have nothing to do with my family again. And listen, might as well I just do what this woman wants me to do because my life is over. Maybe I should just give up, try and kill myself. Maybe I should just run away again. No, no. He said, listen, listen, listen. You in intended to harm me, but later God intended it for good. There is a later when you're in Christ. 
That's why one songwriter says, your, your latter will be greater than your former. It's scriptural. Maybe your childhood wasn't all that good. It means, do you, do you realize that sometimes the greater the mess, the bigger the message? The greater the test, the bigger the testimony. The greater the trial, the bigger the triumph. That's the thing. Hallelujah. Number two, number two. We extract the lessons. I don't want you to waste your experiences. And if you're not going to waste them, here's what you need to do. You need to extract the lessons. Because everything in life can be a teaching moment. You can learn something out of even bad situations. You see, experience isn't the greatest teacher. Many people will tell you that experience. No, no, no. Experience in and of itself is not the greatest teacher. Evaluated experience is. Because an unexamined experience is worthless. If when you go through something, you don't do an evaluation. It is unexamined and that means it's worthless. You have to evaluate the experience. What caused it? What can I learn from it? What is God saying? What is God teaching me? If you have gone through divorce or broken relationships of any kind, ask yourself, what is God teaching me? If you have gone through a situation where you had an unhealthy relationship with your mother, with your father, look back and ask yourself, what is God teaching me? If you have gone through sexual abuse, or physical abuse, verbal abuse, look back and say, God, what is the lesson I can take from this? You evaluate the experience. You have to evaluate it. I, I'm telling you, uh, uh, you, you. They have this saying that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be who you've always been. And part of that means that I need to look back at what I've been through and see what I've learned. So I don't go back and do what I used to do. I need to be making changes. And if I'm going to change, it means that I need to look back at what I did and ask myself, how can I do it better? What did I learn? And if you find that you have been in the same situation, I'm going to give you three years. Three years. After, after three years, if you have been going through the same cycle, you have to ask yourself, am I learning the lessons? The only time people keep going over and over stuff is when they keep failing in it. When you pass a test, you don't get to sit it again. It means you have not extracted the lesson from that experience. Let me give you this in scripture. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. This is the amplified version. It says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you're holding to your faith. Do you not realize by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? Examine, test, and evaluate. Haven't you figured out by now that you're never alone? God is with you all the time. So you take some time to review the experiences of your life. Look at the benefits. What did I really enjoy about this job, about this class, about this experience? Because here's what's going to happen. If you don't examine 
your experience, they have no value to you. If you don't examine your experience, they don't have any value to you. Even the good ones. See, you look at the benefits, you look at the patterns. Particularly, you want to look for patterns in your failure. When you evaluate experiences, they look at what are the patterns. What did I do this time that I did the last time? It, it's like uh, sports. A, 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 a good sportsman does something. He works on a particular part of his game because he realized the last game, this is the era that I failed in. And they said, for example, uh, a, a Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, he would go and shoot several free throws just so that he would perfect that. He would look at what he did wrong in shooting his last free throws and he makes adjustments. When you have failed, you need to look and say, what are some of the things that led? Look at the patterns. What are some of the things that were consistent? Listen, let me help you. Let me help you. All right. Say that I have a, a friendship with Brother Kevin and it's broken. I have a friendship with Brother Chilton and it's broken. I have a friendship with Brother Okito and it's broken. I need to look at those three things and ask myself, what are the patterns? What are the things that happen in the relationship with Brother Kevin, that happen in the relationship with Brother Chilton? What are the things that happen in the relationship with Brother Okito? What are the three things? What things are consistent in these three relationships? And then make assessments and evaluations and changes based on that. But sometimes we go through life like a cycle, things just happen. No! Things don't just happen. There are other things in our lives that put things into motion and we can change them. Job teaches us that we not only look at benefits and patterns, but we also look at lessons. In Job 32 verse 7, it says, Multitudes of years should teach wisdom. If you pass 20, you're supposed to be better. You're supposed to wise now. You can't be full fooled for your way. Come on now. If, listen, when you start having kids, you stop turning idiot. Let me give you a Jamaican sense. You stop turning idiot. And if you're an idiot, you're, you're really idiot. If you're getting older, you must be getting wiser. You know how I know? Talk to a teenager. You go up to a teenager and a guy, a guy who sent things up to her and said, roses are red, and she said, I start blushing. Let that same guy come to you and tell you who 35 but roses are red and violet are blue. She <laughs> If you're leading, say, excuse me, who you're talking to? Go on, baby, little boy. <laughs> because as you get older, certain things change. And if they're not changing, if the same lyrics catching you now, man, you ain't wise. <laughs> I, I tell you, listen, if, when you reach a certain age, make, make Satan work a little harder. If you're going to sit, make him up work a little harder than when you were 16. Multitudes of years should teach wisdom. 
And that's why Socrates said the unexamined life isn't worth living. And in the school of experience, understand it. If you fail the test, you'll get to take it over. That's the school of experience. If you fail the test, you'll get to take it over. You're not going to get a new test until you pass this test. And the reason why you haven't moved on is because you keep failing. And most times we fail because we are not evaluating the reasons for our failure. I tell people, listen, you can't get into something sometimes until you get out of something. You will not experience what God has for you over here if you can't get out of this step. Sometimes you have to step out of this step and free yourself from the baggage and the pain and the trouble of one thing to walk into the blessing of another. You extract the lesson. You embrace. Number three, we employ them to help others. Philippians 1 verse 12 says, I want you to know, my friend, that the things that happened to me have actually helped the progress of the gospel. This is Paul speaking. Paul says, the thing that has happened to me, the things that have happened to me, they have really helped for the progression of the gospel. You want to know what happened to Paul? Let me give you some stuff that happened to Paul. This is 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, from verse 22 to 30. So I'm going to give you some stuff that happened to Paul. So you can understand. Paul, Paul is saying to the church, listen, this is the thing that happened to me. They have actually helped for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul was saying, my experiences have been used to spread the gospel. What happened to Paul? 2 Corinthians 11. It says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they, are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labor, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In stripes mean beating them. Right? Not like police stripes and them things. Right? In prison, more frequently. In death, often. You can imagine one of you coming here and say, listen, I want to talk to you. Listen. I mean, I've been a prison bird. Paul was saying, listen, when you talk to prison business, me an original prison bird. In Jamaica, we call him Jailbird. Paul is talking about his experiences. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak. Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Paul is talking about his experience. I think Paul done yet. It has only just begun. Go over to verse 12 and verse 9. It says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient. 
for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I'd rather boast in my infirmities than the power, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in what? Infirmities. In what? In reproach. In what? In need. In persecution. In distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. That, that's a list of all experiences. Uh, let, me, let me skip over to, I'll go, give you some more. Second Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. It says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working. Hallelujah. Working for us is not working against you. That thing in your past, that thing six years ago, it's not working against you. It is working for you. It's working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's how we employ your experiences. Paul wasn't afraid to talk about what he has been through. Because he knew that that would bring glory to God. Paul had shame like us. He went through stuff, so we use them. We employ them to help others. Amen? Amen? So we employ them, we extract the lessons, and we embrace them. So how then, if I do this, how God wants to use my experiences? I'm going to give you four things and then we close. Right? We use them to minister to others. God wants you to use your experiences. The good ones. He wants you to use your egg. He wants you to use your baking soda, your baking powder. He wants you to use your sugar. He wants you to use all your experiences to minister to others. Do you realize that there are some people, they don't want to hear how holy you are. They want to hear how messed up you used to be and how God changed you. Because they are in a mess and they don't want a holier than thou sister. They don't want a holier than thou brother. They want someone who has been there and done that and has experienced God's grace to come and share with them and say, I know what it is like to go through a broken relationship. I know what it's like to blow up somebody and they walk out and leave you. I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to be hungry. Let me tell you, and when they hear that, they say, well, this word is real because sister, that's what I'm going through. Brother, that's what I'm going through. And it opens a door of ministry for you. Second Corinthians 1, 5 to 6 says this, you can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we are weighed down with trouble, hallelujah, it is for your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it is so that we in turn can be an encouragement to others. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. So the scripture is saying this, simply put, when you are comforted by God, 
You have gone ahead. You can come back and talk to your daughter. You can come back and talk to your brother. You can come back and talk to your sister. And say, listen, I went through it. I don't want you to go through it. I want you to have some better wisdom when you go through it. So let me tell you what happened to me when I went through it. Because I don't want you to go through it. But we can be very, we can be very selfish. It's like we want people to go through what we go through. Because we want other people to be in our group. Yeah, 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 man. At least under me alone. No, 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 no. That's not God's plan. God had you go through some stuff so you would minister to others so they don't have to go through it. So what you went through, listen, is your ministry to help others not to go through it. Or at least give them some wisdom as to how to handle it. We can help. We can better help someone go through something when we have been through it ourselves. Understand that God never wastes a hurt. Never. He wants to use them to bless other people. Never waste it. So the things that we are most embarrassed about, that injustice, that very thing can become your greatest ministry. I want to tell you, maybe, maybe you feel embarrassed, you don't want pastor to know about it, you don't want this sister. If you, if you ever tell them, say you take abortion. If you ever tell them, say, Lord of mercy, you lose baby. If you ever tell them, say, listen, you had homosexual tendency. If you ever tell them that, they're going to hate you. And you're going to be embarrassed. No, 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 no. Listen, that very thing God wants to use to help somebody else. Amen. It may not be me, but there's somebody out there that God wants to use you. And what the enemy is doing, is, the enemy is using your ministry to kill you. He's, he's saying that, no, no, you can't. People will laugh at you. Oh, how you can share that embarrassing thing. How you can tell people what your father did to you. How you can tell people what your cousins did to you. No, no, you can't tell people that in, in, in college. that You can't tell people that. And God is saying, the moment you begin to open your mouth and begin to speak about it, you'll be set free. And you'll be setting other people free. In other words, we help people more through our weaknesses than our strengths. And if you don't use your experience, it's wasted. And all you get out of it is pain. I'm going to tell you this. You're going to keep feeling pain until you start using it. It's going to hurt you. If you want your experience to stop hurting you, start using it to your blessing. I, I know this. That there's no secret in this world. Because if the devil don't, it's got a secret. Because Satan can't keep him out. Let, let me tell you, if Satan know, you ever hear about Bush and Wall of ears? Satan is like Bush and Wall. If him see, he will tell somebody. So here's what they do. If me tell them, when you tell them, So I remember a few years ago I had this incident. Not, not a, well, more than a few. Where I got in an altercation with a, a football official. And I had to go to the Baptist church at a Keswick conference and find the pastor and tell him. So by the time it started coming news and all of those things, everybody in the church didn't know already. That I knew that what I did was wrong. And when people start using it, said, listen, even today, watch it, even today, people remember me based on it. 
And just this week, I had an opportunity to share with someone that, you remember when I came on your radio station and apologized for what I did? It was the changing moment in my life. And I was laughing. Because I wasn't, the day I was embarrassed, a couple of weeks I was embarrassed. But as I began to use that to share with other young men and other people, that you learn to deal with your anger. And all of those things, it has become a blessing in my life. When I tell people, like, listen, hey, remember that I used to sell newspaper from street side. See someone walking to church and say, oh, they passed up, the money sitting from roadside. I said, it don't matter. Because I've already shared it. See, it's what you hide that will embarrass you. Because it is because you think it's going to embarrass you that you keep hiding it. And that is why one of the ways the enemy traps us is keeping stuff in darkness. Because what happens with darkness is that things don't grow, they get stinked. It is in the light that things grow. And bad things get burnt off and destroyed by the light. In darkness, they only get stink and funky. You, you understand? If, if you have your house and you put all your clothes in the closet and in there dark and nothing up in there, when you go in there, they pull up a bowl and they start, you have, your clean clothes you have to take out and wash. Things need light to stay fresh and look fresh. Amen? Number two, number two. We use them to motivate others. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Encourage one another. Show people it can be done. That's how you encourage them. You show them that it can be done. If God did it for me, God can do it for you. It can be done. If God made a way for me, God will make a way for you. It can be done. Luke 22 31 to 32, he says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, watch it, that your faith should not fail. I love this part. part. He says, and when you have returned to me, what must you do? Strengthen your brethren. Hallelujah. Listen, when you return, when you go ahead of us and you have your experience, when you return, come and strengthen us. Do you know Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister is the first person to break the four-minute barrier in the mile. Years ago, no one thought it could be done until this guy named Roger Bannister ran the mile in under four minutes. And from that day, everybody who did a mile, do it under four minutes. For years, people just dreaded. People even wanted to quit doing the mile because it is impossible to break the four-minute barrier. And one man did it. And all of a sudden, it's like Asafa Powell broke 10 seconds. And from that happened, like breaking 10 seconds has become the norm. We help people break through barriers when we motivate them with our own experience. Because nothing is more powerful than personal experience. 
Let me tell you, when you're testifying and you're sharing personal experience, there's nothing more powerful. And the church has to get back to the space of putting to some of you, some of you uh, in your 30s. You need to find some teenagers and talk to them. Find some young ladies and begin to talk to them. You're a woman of God now. You need to, because nothing is more powerful than personal experience. You didn't go through all of that for it to be wasted. Use it to motivate others. We also use our experiences uh, to model for others. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, join in following my example and know those who so walk as you have also a pattern. You see, a model is a, is a smaller representation of the real thing. Like you have a model car, a model plane, a smaller representation of the real thing. You see, God wants you and he wants me to be a model of Christ. Meaning Christian. Christian really means little Christ. So we have to be little Christ that people can follow us. That we, people can follow us as we follow Christ. We all need models. It is human nature to imitate. Whether you believe it or not, your kids are imitating you because it's, there's something inside of human that causes them to want to imitate. They see someone, they want to be like that person. But, but here's the thing. Don't wait on the perfect model or you'll never follow anybody. Some people await on a perfect person. You know, you know well... We can't follow nothing with pastor. See, I can't follow nothing with this brother Desmond. See, I can't follow nothing with this person. See, I can't follow ladies. Telling no, sir. I put that in a perfect. Why should I? No, 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 no. Listen. Nobody. In fact, sometimes the people you follow can't even do what you're doing. Uh, you don't believe me? Check Glenn Mills. How many of you have ever seen Glenn Mills run a hundred meter? You know who used to train Shelly and Fraser Price? A man named Stephen Francis. Have you ever seen it? Listen, I don't understand how these overweight people can't run people help to train some of the fastest people in the world. Can you imagine them you saying Moses if I pop you until you run nine seconds don't tell no nothing about no nine seconds. If you can do it, why must I follow you? And that's how we operate. We want people to perfect the thing and they say, no, I can't follow you. That's not how it works. Second, ah, sorry, Titus 2, 7 says, in all things, show yourself to be a pattern of good works. Growing up, you didn't choose your model. But as an adult, you have to choose your model. Growing up, you just had to follow your parents. But now that you're an adult, you have to choose your mother. Meaning, who can you learn from? Who can you learn from? You have to find people who you can learn from. You want to grow in an era, connect yourself with people who will help you grow. There's always someone ahead of you. If you're, if you're married and you just get married, find some people who have been married for years and doing well. That's the thing. Just, just find people. Who do you need to be a model to? In the same way you're following people, 
who are you helping so that they can follow you? In what way could you be a model for somebody else? Maybe there's somebody struggling with reading the Bible and praying and you have a vibrant prayer life, a vibrant Bible reading life. Encourage someone to come and follow, me, follow you. Maybe someone is struggling financially and you are good at financial management and tithing. Get them to come and follow you. The reason why we have the experiences is to help each other. But we keep them to ourselves. There are some of you who are very, very good at your prayer life. You have a consistent prayer life and you don't want nobody to help you pray. You're not, you're, not, you're not engaging followers in that discipline. close with this final one. We use our experiences to mentor others. Mentoring is intentional. Mentoring is when you actually say, I'm going to take an interest in a particular person's life. Let me ask you this. Who are you mentoring? How many of you have been Christians for five years? Oh my God. When I, when I, let me rephrase the question. How many of you have been Christian, are following Christ for more than three years? Put up your hand. Hallelujah. All right, three, more than three. In three years, you should have at least have 12 persons following you if you follow the Jesus example. It took Jesus 12 years to have 12 disciples. Who is following you? I, I, know, I, know, I know the favorite one, right? Well, my wife will follow me. <laughs> my, my two sons will follow me. We are talking about. Well, okay. Do you realize that Jesus' family weren't really following him? So, they weren't. You ever hear Mary around Jesus? Mother heart Joseph around it. No, 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 no. His brothers came on later on. Did many things. But when you talk about the 12, there was no brother in there. So who is following you outside of your household? And here's why, because if you have been in here one year in the faith, you have something that someone just coming in the faith don't have. A mentor is a personal coach. And everybody needs a personal coach. And needs to be a personal coach. It is very intentional. Everybody needs a coach. No matter how successful you are. Or how successful you think you are. You always need a mentor. In fact, the better you get sometimes. You have to get a different coach. You look at Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger Woods is one of the best golfers. And he still has a coach. Shelly and Fraser Price is a world Olympic champion, but you still have a coach. It don't matter how successful you are, you need a personal coach in your life. That's why church is important. You need a personal coach, and sometimes it is the era of, in the era of finances. It is the era of re, uh, relationship. Maybe it's in the area of, of your Christian faith, but we all need a personal coach. And we need to be personal coaches, meaning helping people along the way. Proverbs 25, 12. A warning given by 
an experienced person to someone willing to listen is more valuable than gold rings or jewels. Let, let, let me read that again. I think that, I mean, so many times the Bible, uh, like, you ever, you ever read some scriptures and you wonder to yourself, I wish for this today, all this time. It says, a warning given by an experienced person to someone willing to listen is more valuable than gold rings or jewelry. We need to mentor and we need to be mentored. One of my, one of my one of painful experiences in my life, or one of the things that hurt me, is when I'm in church and I see people make mistakes and then people come hard at them. And when you ask, were you mentoring them? Were you, who was, nobody, nobody was there. But as soon as they make a mistake, as soon as they do something wrong, everyone is down on them. Now I know that not everyone wants to follow people. But to, listen, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It means that take time to connect with people. Talk to them. Don't just wait until things go wrong. So we need to mentor and we need to be mentored. What do you look for in a, in, a, in a mentor? Experience. You look for perspective. Somebody you can trust. You look for a believer. First Timothy 4 verse 12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer. In words, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. All of us have something to offer someone. You know, what if we all use our experiences to minister? motivate, model, and mentor others. You see, when we offer our lives to him, we're saying, God, use everything I've been through, the good, the bad, the indifferent. Use it for your glory. Use it for your glory. Listen, let me help you. Maybe you need a marriage mentor. Maybe you need somebody who is mentoring so you can have a better marriage. Maybe you need maturity in some other area of your life, in spiritual maturity. Maybe you need a mentor in that area. But, but we all need people who are ahead of us who can help us. In every area of life, God is saying today, don't waste your experiences. They are as important a part of your shape. Maybe you're here and you're going through some experiences right now where you need, you need ministry, you need motivation. Maybe you need a model or maybe you need a mentor. You're, you're here right now and you need help. And maybe, like I said, the help you need, you just need somebody who will be there to motivate you. You need somebody who will be there to mentor you. And sometimes Jesus will say, come follow me. People say, come, follow me. But sometimes you know the need in your life. You need to pray and say, you know what? I'm going to follow you. So, so it works two ways. Sometimes we have to say, come, follow me. And sometimes you have to say, I want to follow you. Amen? So I don't know what era of need you have today. But I want you to know that every experience you go through, God wants to use it. Embrace it. 
extract the lesson and employ whether it's the egg it's the baking soda it's the baking powder it's the whatever it is and don't ever measure your life based on single ingredients don't ever measure your life on putting all the ingredients together and mixing them never measure your life until it has gone through the fire and produced the cake at the end that's a measure of your life not individual ingredients because not everyone will be good tasting or good smelling but when they all come together hallelujah and the end is seen your later will be better than your former I know it hurt I know it's painful and you know I think about this song like it says my hallelujah belongs to you you deserve it. it. It's like singing and saying to God, you know what, God? You know, it, it belongs to you. The, this thing from my past, the, this, the, this thing 10 years ago, this thing 15 years ago, God, my hallelujah belongs to you. All of the glory belongs to you. You deserve it. You deserve it, Lord. God, I've gone through some stuff, but you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. God, I'll give you my hallelujah. Because like, like, like Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and call according to his good purposes. It means that this is working for me. It's not working against me. Come on, just stand to your feet with me this morning. Come on, just stand to your feet and lift your hand and say, God, I thank you that this experience that I've been through is working for me. It's not working against me. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, I thank you this morning that my later is going to be better. Hallelujah. God, there's some stuff that has happened. There's some stuff going on. They don't feel good. They don't look good. They don't taste good. But God, you're working for me. They're working for me. Come on, just say, God, you're working for my marriage. They're working for my finances. They're working for my family. They're working for my son. They're working for my daughter. God, they're working for me. They cause me some tears of sadness. But God, I thank you that there'll be some tears of gladness. For you will turn my mourning into dancing. My ashes into beauty. God, I thank you. It's going to be better. And my hallelujah belongs to you, God. My hallelujah belongs to you. You deserve it, God. You are working. You are working. ago you were there five years ago you are here today for your promise that you never leave me you will never forsake me you are forever with me oh hallelujah god come on just the lord i call him light afflictions light afflictions light afflictions light afflictions light afflictions light afflictions there's a greater weight of glory there's a greater
hallelujah. Come on, just worship him and say, my hallelujah belongs to you. Come on, come on. Just open your mouth right now and begin to God, my hallelujah belongs to you. We're giving you glory, Lord God, in the fire. We're giving you glory in the prison. We're giving you glory in the storms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just worship him. Just worship him. Amen. 